The hope we have is not wishful thinking. It's a confident expectancy. It is based on God, a Father who loves us and who has given us rich and precious promises. It's based on Jesus, the Son, who through our faith in him makes God's promises secure. And the Holy Spirit who imparts and then sustains us in this living hope, which is an anchor for our soul. This is available to all who come to Hope Church. Our vision statement makes it clear we have a hope worth sharing. Our desire is to build a graceful community of Jesus followers bringing good news to Winchester and beyond. You know, that broadly tells us where we're going. But we need to drill down a bit as we did last week because as Proverbs 29, 18 tells us in the King James Version, without, uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. There's a story that uh, uh, goes back to 1975 and it was a prison in Santillo uh, in northern Mexico and 75 convicts started digging a secret uh, tunnel designed to bring them the other side of the wall. Um, it was in the November and they dug for about six months and uh, they were obviously gu- guided by pure genius because they tunneled up, when they came out in the April, they tunneled up into the nearby courtroom where most of them had been sentenced. And the surprise judges quickly sent them back where they came from. You know, if you don't know, if you don't know the route, if you don't have a route map, you are, you are in trouble. There's potential that you're going to end up back where you started from. And so we have to be able to identify our core values so we go in the right direction. And we talked last week about creating culture. This is an image that you've seen, this Venn diagram, uh, seen many times perhaps over the last few months. But we talked about creating culture. And creating culture is all about uh, being word and spirit. It's about the word of God guides us and leads us. The word of God is, is fundamentally Jesus, is who, who we were talking about. The other, he's the word from God. We talked about the spirit and being filled with the spirit on Sunday. It's about being a church of worship and prayer where we highly value worship and prayer. We don't just sing some songs just to get the meeting going. We sing songs. We worship God because he's worthy of our worship. We're to be a church that's Christ-centered. Christ really at the center of all that we do. And we're to be a people who are grace-filled. And we unpicked that a bit last week. And if you didn't hear uh, the talk, then I suggest you uh, download it, listen to it on SoundCloud. But it's more than just creating culture. One of our values is building community. And that's building community in the church. That's in the neighborhood where you live. It's in the workplace, it's in this city, and it's in the regions beyond. You know, earlier this week on uh, Tuesday morning, or yesterday morning, gathered with a number of church leaders and others who are working for churches in the city, and we had a great time worshipping together. Now, there's a real real sense of community amongst us. Building community is really important. And finally, the whole thing of communicating good news, declaring and demonstrating the gospel that Jesus is alive. 
Jesus has risen from the dead and he has changed our lives forever. I think that is amazing news, isn't it? I mean, that's such good news. We have such a great message to share. Last week, we spent some time practically considering what they look like in church life. Let me encourage you to listen to it if you haven't. 23 people have already done that. Be the 24th, 25th, 26th. Make sure you hear what we were talking about. Earlier this year, we spent some time preaching through uh, the book of Ephesians in our series called Deeper. And it was all about us uh, working into our values, working into these values, working into the culture of the church, trying to knead it in like you would knead yeast into dough, getting it into the dough. Values, our values should overlap and the place where our core values of creating culture, building community and communicating good news, where they overlap the the middle area, the purple area, that's what I've referred to as our sweet spot and that's sort of like our cricketing analogy. So most people who hate cricket switch off at that moment but it's when a fast bowler is bowling and he pings the ball down at you about 95 miles an hour and he, with your bat you lean back and you crack the ball through the covers and it comes off right in the middle of that bat and it pings to the bat. You don't actually have to even hit it very hard. It's off the sweet spot. When it hits the sweet spot, it zooms away to the boundary. You see, when we hit the sweet spot, that's when we're most effective and fruitful as a church. Actually, a better analogy is that our values are like foundations that we build off. Now, you will see that here, foundations, foundations, you can see them on uh, the, the stage here. I'll move away a bit. They're like foundations that we build off. Now, I'm going to go up here because it makes me look taller and it makes me feel, feel better. We used to live in a property in Bursledon, and uh, we were building an extension. And uh, as we were building that extension, um, the, they, dug down the, they dug out the footings, and I'd, uh, I'd primed the builder to plan for two-meter footings. When he dug down, there was no footings. There was no good ground there. There was just made-up ground. It was like uh, they couldn't put any concrete in, and it was filling with water. And uh, the builder said to me, he said, we're going to have to pilot. So that's what they did. And we had to find an extra couple of thousand pounds to pilot at the time. And it was really gutting, really disappointing. And, uh, uh, but the other problem we had was that the house had also earlier suffered from subsidence. And, and that happens when someone does some work uh, around the house, builds an extension. In this case, they did some work around the kitchen. And what happens is the footings are not deep enough to take the weight of what you put on top of it. And what happens is the extension or the, the building starts to subside and sink. And uh, it's a real problem and the, the house is in danger if you don't do something. And so they have to underpin and undergird the foundations, Subsidence happens where the foundations are unable to carry the weight of what you are trying to build above ground. The only solution is to underpin. And if you know the William Walker pub in the centre of Winchester, the William Walker is named after someone who, who on his own underpinned part of the cathedral when it was sinking. 
That's what he's famous for. That's where the pub, the William Walker, is, is named after him. Single-handedly, he went down uh, in a diver's helmet because it was marshy ground in one of those old dive, divers, big old bell helmets and a suit. He went down and single-handedly underpinned the cathedral. We don't want to do that. We want to build off solid foundations. We want to build off these core values. They are our foundation. Let me give you a snapshot of what I mean. I've asked a few people to come and join me up on stage uh, and to be grateful if they could come and do that. And what we're going to do, I'm going to ask them a few questions to tell me about things that they're involved in in the church. So uh, if I can get Tim Mellish. Tim's going to come out. Come on, Tim. So Tim's coming out. I'm also going to get Joe Perrett. Joe's going to come up next. Come on, Joe, come on up. Bill Gillen. Come on, Bill, you know you want to. I'm going to get Annie to come out now. And uh, I'm also going to get, it was, who was, Yvonne, right, okay, because Victoria was going to do it in Victoria, uh, wasn't able to make it, but Yvonne Mullen is going to come out. And uh, I'm also going to get Brian to come up, Brian Leatham. Craig Rule. Cliff Payne and Karen House. Come on, guys. It's okay. Okay, here we go. So I've known Tim for over 25 years. I've I've always known him as Timbo, actually. But so Tim always brings a smile to my face. He's a larger-than-life character, and yet I know underneath, Tim is an incredibly caring person. And he's been part of our soup service team on a Thursday night for over three years, and that's one of those areas where, in some small way, we practically care for those who are less fortunate, a number of whom sleep rough. Tim, what drives you to come out on cold, wet Thursday nights to do that? Well, I've actually, I've actually, can you hear this? No? Can you hear this? Okay, that's better. Okay. Well, actually, what got me really going in the first place um, was a verse in God's word uh, in Matthew. It's one of the parables, and it says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters... Um, you did it in my name, you did it for me. And it's just uh, about compassion and a calling, and it sort of gets into you. Um, And, you know, we could all be in that state. We could all be in a state where we're destitute and homeless and lost. Yeah, that's right. And that's where God comes in, because he's full of grace, isn't he? And he doesn't care what we've done. He just loves us and he wants to care for us. And that's what we try and show these people there. They don't always appreciate us. 
Sometimes they get a bit physical, sometimes they huff and puff and they swear and shout at us, but most of us have got fairly broad shoulders and we cope with that, but we just love to do it. I need to bear in mind that it only takes seven occurrences and you could be in the same place they are if you, weren't in such, if you hadn't got such a loving God and a loving fellowship behind you. Mm. Yeah. So that's it, really. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks, Tim. You're welcome. Okay, Joe, now, um, we, we're involved as a church in a number of things in Winchester and beyond. Some are in the UK, some are overseas. Uh, much is through our involvement with Guy Miller's Apostolic Sphere Commission, as well as with the good relationships that we have with other churches in the city. However, a number of people in the church are involved in projects uh, overseas. And Martin and Julius Sanders have uh, been involved with Caris Kids for probably about the last two years. And uh, uh, they have been out, they were out this summer. Joe Perrett went with them. And uh, Martin was going to be here, but he uh, broke it. He dislocated his, uh, his his shoulder yesterday, and so Joe very kindly stepped into at the last minute. So Joe, quickly tell us what you were doing out there and why you were doing it. Yeah. So um, we well, there's a church, Winchester Vineyard Church, is set up a charity, and they basically have families within that charity who sponsor families in Uganda. Um, financially, it's about 50 quid a month or something like that. And they um, basically, all the kids in those families get a chance once a year to go to a camp. It's a bit like New Day, but um, there's about 400 kids, so, you know, obviously not as big. But um, so, yeah, we went over there helping run that. There was, I think there was 18 of us from the UK and then a load of guys from Uganda as well, from the churches out there who were helping run the camp. And um, we got opportunity to visit all their families in um see the people who were being sponsored and things in, in the slums and um, it, was, oh, it, it was massive to see how much God's blessed us with what we have because um, mm. they literally have nothing but the, the craziest thing was um, that we're so grumpy and we've got like everything and they are genuinely the happiest people I've ever met in my life and they've got Fantastic. like next to nothing and um, so that was a bit of an eye opener and it was a bit like oh sorry cheer up excellent <laughs> excellent yeah there you go cheer up okay we run a number of teaching and training uh, uh, resources, we prov- a number of teaching courses and uh, provide training resources for parents, couples, and a course we regularly run is called Freedom in Christ, and Bill is uh, a number of, uh, one of a number of people in the church who are really passionate about Freedom in Christ. Tell us why, Bill. Yeah, uh, do I have to smile? You have to oh, smile, Bill. Okay. You've got to smile. <laughs> um, yeah. Jesus said, uh, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Um, Freedom of Christ course, one of the focus um, points of it is that we are secure, accepted, and significant as children of God. And it's that the foundation of the course um, basically focuses on who we are and what we are in Christ. And when we start to understand who we are and what we are in Christ we can find ourselves starting to be set free from issues, problems, stumbling blocks that are a result of things yeah. that have happened in the past or yeah. the result of things that are in our life now. And, and so then we can start to walk in the freedom that actually Jesus promised. Um, I, I've done the course and I, I did the steps day and I must admit I had this sort of like preconceived idea that 
going into it that um, this is what I wanted God to do um, and this is what I needed to do in order to be free. But in fact, the focus is not that. The focus actually is on what God wants to do. Yeah. Um, and really, that's the best way, isn't it? Because God knows what's best for us and it's him who's promised to complete the yeah. good work in us that he started. So basically, it, it, it rips up faulty um, foundations that we may have in our lives of having to be or having to do mm. or not do in order to be loved and accepted by God when in fact it starts to lay then foundations down that actually it's all about what Jesus has done Brilliant. and that's Very why good. we are fully accepted and loved by God excellent, really good that's something to smile about isn't it? Okay, when we gather together on Sundays, there are so many things going on, and all of them are important. Many of you uh, are, are involved, and Annie uh, is involved, and she's part of one of the teams that serve refreshments. Now, Annie, yes, why, <laughs> apart from liking to talk to people, yeah. why, why do you enjoy doing it? Okay, uh, there's two counts actually. We talk about building community. I just love serving as part of the team. I think it does, we have a bit of banter together. It's good fun. I just love that festival. And I just love the opportunity just to chat to different people on a Sunday. So it is just great. If anybody wants to get involved in anything to do with tea and coffee, it's just great because you just get just to talk and um, so it's not just a case of serving tea and coffee it really is a great opportunity just to chat to people and just build community so that's why I absolutely love it brilliant thanks Yvonne so Yvonne is involved in one of our welcome teams and she's been caught uh, last minute on this so Yvonne why why do you love being part of a welcome team well, I think it is really important and when people come in that door and it might be their first time and they see what God thinks of them. <coughs> you know, the welcome team is a representation of showing God's love to them, you know, ask, making sure that, you know, they know that God's interested in them, asking them questions, talking to them. And I do think that is really important because they might never come back to a church if they just stand at the back and nobody ever talks to them again. You know, it could be their one and only experience. And also, from a practical point of view, when you first come into a building of this size with this many people, you sort of stand there and you go, oh, oh, millions of people, where do I start? Yeah, very good. Very good. Thanks, Yvonne. (laughs) So Brian is our... Facilities manager, his team do a great job. But I really want you to get this tonight. Facilities hiring is primarily a ministry of the church and only secondly a business. I want you to get that. So, Brian, on Sunday I was preaching about fulfilling their God given potential, and I know that we were talking about it uh, afterwards about. How you feel you feel or being fulfilling your God-given potential? Do you want to tell us how, that, how that's happened? Um, yeah, uh, five years ago, I was a sales director for an audiovisual um, events company. We were staging major events for um, corporate companies worldwide. Um, at that time, the, it was during the global recession. The company folded up and uh, we lost 60 jobs. At that time, John approached me um, to see if I'd be interested in um, expanding the fledging conference business at the church. 
The vision then was to engage with the local business community and offer a first-class service to those who use the building for conferences and meetings. In those days, the MBC was rarely used. Um, today, we host somewhere in the region of 350 events a year, and we get in the region of 4,000 delegates through the door. It's remarkable how God can really turn things around, you know, often in difficult situations and, um, you know, things that we're not expecting. And also, it never ceases to amaze me how God can use your own experience, your talents and your abilities to fulfill his purposes. Okay, thanks, Brian. So, Brian, tell people why what you do is a ministry. Right. I mean, I think probably to answer that question, if I just um, tell you a little bit about what we do and who we deal with, I will probably give you the answer to that. I mean, today we, we deal primarily with the public sector. I mean, that's uh, local charity organisations, mainly people like Winchester City Council, Hampshire City Council, the Probation Service, the National Health Service, Police Service. Many of these organisations have their um, headquarters here in Winchester. And you might ask, well, what sort of meetings do we do, training events, conferences? The majority of these are to do with social services, dealing with issues for the vulnerable, the disadvantaged, the elderly, children, poor, the ill within our society. Uh, currently, um, Hampshire County Council are working on an initiative for dementia suffering, sufferers. Um, dementia is becoming a big problem um, with an ageing society. Um, Hampshire want to be a flagship council in dealing with this issue. Winchester businesses in particular have been um, encouraged to take up the initiative. We will be involved in this. Um, we're providing our building for a major dementia conference that will be happening next year, so we'll provide the building and all our services. Um, in the future, many of these services I've just been talking about are going to be stopped. I mean, the funding from central government will, will stop or it will be capped. And I think, you know, for a church like ours in a city centre, it just gives us so many opportunities to get involved in these areas. Now, on a day-to-day -day basis, we encounter many delegates. Um, some of you have been in here for conferences. Some of you are actually trainers. Marion Foster's got a course here for um, um, safeguarding for children, primary school teachers here next week. It'll be held in room six, 30 delegates, three lots of teas and coffees, lunch, projector, screen. So that's, you know, one of the sort of things that we do. But... Um, you know, over the years, we've, we've been able to get to, uh, you know, be able to talk to people about what the church is about. Um, we've been able to explain um, what we believe in, and on occasions we've even been able to pray with people. I mean, I can remember one classic example where a delegate uh, came out of one of the rooms in tears, and um, we were able to get alongside her. She, I mean, she had received some bad news, and she just came out into the auditorium. She was meeting in one of the rooms at the back here, and we were able to get together with her and just pray with her and comfort her. You know, we endeavour in all that we do here um, to bring kingdom principles into our dealings, whether that's business, dealing with, a, you know, in a, in integrity and the dealings we do in the business side, or whether that's in the service side where we're, you know, serving teas and coffees or talking to people, greeting people. Um, and I think that is one of the reasons um, why we're a venue of choice for many of these organisations. Um, I mean, for example, we held these probation staff conference here some weeks ago and I received the following comments from the Chief Executive's office and they said I can honestly not sincerely thank you and your team enough for your help on Wednesday. I have never encountered a venue to be so professional, organised kind, helpful patient and as accommodating as you and your staff so please pass on my thanks and gratitude. So that's what we do. So much of what we do involves worship and prayer, and Craig is someone who really prays. 
I love listening to him pray. It's inspiring. And Craig is involved in our ministry teams, uh, particularly on a Sunday morning, as well as being our new 20s and student worker. So, Craig, why do you love praying for people? Um, I think it's just a great privilege to be able to pray with someone, to be able to to stand alongside someone and say, um, and to bring big God's truth into a situation um, and just, yeah, to just be able to, to really do that, to be able to love that person in that way. Um, I think, yeah, one thing I'm learning myself is actually when, when I don't have all the answers, so I'm in a tough conversation with someone and they're in a really difficult situation um, outside of the prayer meeting or the just ministry team is actually, well, I don't know the answers, but actually I can pray for you and actually I think that's, yeah, it's just linking people to God. I just think it's really... Um, we're a church together for a reason. Um, I think we've, we've definitely got direct access to, to God as ourselves, but there's something amazing about coming to someone and saying, I'm really struggling with this, can you help me? And that's really okay. That's the Christian life. That's how we're supposed to walk. We're supposed to help each other out, pray for each other. And so it's just Very really, good. really great to be able to feel that compassion for someone and be able to say, I'm with you. And it's, and it's an ongoing thing. It's not something that you, you've prayed, but it's, it's the follow-up after that. Actually, I prayed for you last Sunday. How are you doing? Um, and, and just continuing in that. So, Very good, Craig. Thank you. You know, as we look to build communities across the church, we do this in all sorts of ways. Cliff and his wife Polly lead our friendship group on Mondays uh, for those who are a bit older and are around during uh, a Monday. Uh, Cliff, I know God spoke to you when you were at Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe many years ago about him being involved with people who are older. What did God say to you? Well, um, I suppose I can count on the fingers of my hand how many times I've heard God speak audibly and I was in Zimbabwe we were putting a factory into Bulawayo we had a weekend off and we went to the Vic Falls which is spectacular but I missed the entrance and I walked down to the left hand side of the falls and there was this piece of wood there saying beware of the crocodiles Um, so I didn't stay there too long but (laughs) what I saw was pieces of wood drifting slowly down the river now I then went and found the entrance and got in I stood next to Livingstone statue and looking up the river I could see where I'd been stood probably about 150 maybe 200 yards up the river And then to the right-hand side of me was this enormous cavern, chasm, chasm, water overflowing. And I heard God say, there are a lot of people drifting through life, many of them near the end of their lives. I want you to look after them, otherwise they're going over the chasm. And I came back, saw Greg, who was the pastor at the time, said, I think God is telling me to look after the old people. He said, right, you start Monday. (laughs) I said, what? He said, well, what you don't know is the minister who's been doing it has just handed his notice in 
and we don't have anyone to look after the old people. And I said, well, do I need training here? And he said, yes, it's on the job and learn fast. (laughs) Well, we, we grew up a group of 55 and we met once a month. Um, Then I went away to look after a church in Southampton and came back here ten years later. And what I would say was, what made us come back was the welcome. Ah, The welcome we got here was fantastic. And I came a second time with Polly. One of the younger people said to me, what are you doing, Cliff? I said, well, not sure where to go, he said. Two words to say to you, he said, welcome home. That's great, that's good. And we were, the welcome is a fantastic Mm. ministry. So I I have remembered that call. God has never said to me, stop, do something else. Mm. Our group at the moment is 33, 29 regular members. Brilliant. We have 22 church members in the group, and we have 11 mm. people that don't go to this church. Brilliant. But what we need is to look after these people. Yeah. And I don't know whether you know, but two weeks ago, Johnny and Paddy, they used to sit mm. just at the front every week. Mm. And then they moved with their son-in-law to Cambridge. And then last weekend, Johnny died. Mm. Our ministry doesn't stop. We have a ministry to his wife. Mm. And if you know Paddy, please send words of sympathy and Mm. consolation because she needs Mm. you, even though we're a long way away. She needs you as much as she did. Mm. And so Mm. it's a fantastic ministry. Mm. We have coming up... um, Trevor Birch, he is the grandson of the man who started the whole thing in Stanmore Lane all those years ago. He's a brilliant keyboard player and he's coming to play a keyboard. We've got Dave and Colleen coming to talk about the power of God in healing. Uh, we have, have we got a third one. Who's the third one? <laughs> anyway. The point I'm making is the best thing that's happened to our group in the last year is that we have two 40-year-old ladies join us. One's a Salvation Army, brilliant keyboard player, beautiful voice. She comes and takes our singing. We don't necessarily quite sing the modern songs, but we have got all the old songs that have been such a a meaningful experience in our lives. And then dear Lorraine sitting there. Lorraine, you have been a treasure and an inspiration. You see, I I should stop, but I will stop. Um, We have one person takes the first Monday of the month. Frank takes the second Monday of the month. Lorraine takes the third Sunday in the month. Monday in the month. And Chris Ellis takes the fourth one. Um, we have a fantastic ministry team. It really, and it's for everybody. It's not, you haven't got to be over 50. If, if you're slightly below 40, you bring the age down. 
So if, if you're not doing anything on a Monday morning, then at half past ten we meet, at twelve o'clock we stop, we have lunch together, and then they all go home. And it is the most fantastic kickstart to the week you could have. Brilliant. Thank you, Cliff. So, last but not least, Karen and her husband Dave uh, lead a commun- the community group that I go to in Channel Sword when I'm around. And uh, Karen and Dave are lovely people and we regularly have great socials. Karen, I want you to tell us about your Indian neighbours who came to the barbecue over the summer. Right, I'll start with saying I've got a dog called Maggie who I walk every day and I live in a service road on a main road so all my neighbours are sort of along like that so I made, by walking the dog I've met a lot of my neighbours and I talk a lot and I'm really nosy so when I'm walking I notice things about people and I noticed um, this couple that lived quite a long way down our service road um, their car being towed away and it had a bash in it um, so when I saw them outside their house a few days later I said oh are you okay I saw that your car was um, being bashed and um, they said yeah they were fine and they were also having an extension on the house I said oh how's your extension going and they said would you like to come and have a look and I went okay that would be nice so I went and had a look and started chatting to them and they were an older couple probably in their 60s um, and Gita and Garish are their names, I finally remembered. And um, they had moved to Charnas Ford because they came with their children who had then grown up and moved away. And they were quite lonely. Um, so I had a little chat and left them. And then we were having a community group social barbecue in the summer. So I walked back down and I was nervous. And I asked them, would you like to come? So they did. And... They are such a lovely couple, and a couple from our community group chatted to them and started talking about kitchens. And so next week, I'm going with Annie um, to look at their kitchen. So Annie can look at their kitchen, and we've got to take our diary, so we're going to have dinner with them. Um, But the reason that it's so easy to invite them to a community group social is that it's not a community group social, it's my friends, our friends. And community group for me and Dave has been a heartbeat of the church. Dave got saved really through friendship, through community. And I feel that it is the heartbeat of the church. You know, God has given us friends through the group that perhaps we wouldn't have... They may be not wanted to be friends with me originally, but we love, you know, a great group. If you're not in a community group, get in one. All of us have got to make to be one and make some friendships so it's easy to ask your community to come and join join them. Yeah, thank you, Karen. So, those foundational values, they should cut everything. The way we do things is about create. The reality is it should be wherever, wherever we are, whatever. Focus on people is all about building community. And that happens in all sorts of ways right across the spectrum of all in the church. Things like soup service... That is a community. That's, that's, that's community. That's building community. They have a film night. They do barbecues. They have a Christmas meal. Taking the opportunity to share the gospel, sharing the good news, 
should permeate everything that we do, whether it's Mar- like Martin and Julia and Joe out in Uganda, or whether it's Karen with her Indian neighbour. I want to say, let's give them all a big hand. So as they take their seats, a number of years ago, Annie and I had the privilege of going to Chicago, and uh, we went to a building called the Hancock Center, a hundred floors, and on the uh, 95th floor, uh, there's a restaurant, and it has a view over Lake Michigan. I mean, it is an absolutely outstanding place to sit and uh, have a sandwich, because that's what we did. We had a sandwich because we were a bit cheapskate. But actually more spectacular is the view from the lake, from Lake Michigan. As you look back to Chicago, you see the Chicago skyline. It's very similar to the Manhattan skyline, although it's probably not, uh, not so much pollution. And as I was praying about the church uh, about six months ago, God reminded me of that skyline image. And I, I, could, I could almost see it on a t-shirt, just the shape of, of buildings across a skyline. And I felt God impress on me that off these foundations that we've been talking about, God was going to build something significant in the heart of the city. The image of the cityscape of buildings against the skyline simply stayed with me. I really couldn't shake it. And on last Sunday, I preached the first of a four-part series uh, called I See a Church of Huge Potential. And the series is going to be a, a series of an acrostic on the word hope. So the next week is John's, this Sunday's John's preaching on I See a Church of Outrageous Grace. And the background of the publicity we've used is actually the Manhattan skyline. You can see buildings across. That is the cityscape of Manhattan. I see a church of huge potential. When I went to Southampton University in 1981, I studied, and that's using studied in the loosest uh, sense of the word, uh, I studied geography. Uh, I found it, actually, I found it really boring. Um, apart from uh, the subject of urbanization, and you're probably thinking, oh boy, that sounds even more boring than, um, than rivers and glaciers and all that sort of stuff. Well, I found that really interesting. It's the study of cities. And as a result, I became a town planner, and I worked as a town planner for 13 years, and still I started working for the church back in 1999. The result is, I understand cities a bit. And a city has zones. It has industrial zones, industrial areas. It has residential areas. It has leisure areas. It has retail areas. It has edge-of-town activities. And in all those areas, birds of a feather flock together. So you find industries uh, combine, uh, um, they, they are in one place, simply because you don't want to be living next door to uh, an abattoir or something like that. And so planners try to keep uh, uh, uses that would uh, impact on one another away from one another. And so they have areas within a city or zones. Likewise, in a church, there are key areas. 
And I see seven key areas or ministries within church life in Hope Church. Bear in mind there's always bits of overlap. But I see the following areas. I see Sunday ministries. That's where we preach the gospel. Worship. PA, hosting, welcome, children's work, BSK. Tori does a fantastic work with our children on Sunday mornings. Leads a great team of people doing that. Farmers market teams, two Sundays a month. Teams going out into the market. We have prayer teams, teas, uh, uh, teams of doing teas and coffees, duty managers, security, stewarding, first aid. The list just goes on. Sunday ministries. We have community ministries. And I want you to get this, that our youth work is it's about community, emerge and engage. Our 20s and students is about building community. Our Monday friendship group is about community. Our men's work is about building community amongst the men. Our ladies' work, face-to-face work, is about building community. The Ark, Craft Café community groups. As Karen said, they're really important over these, this next year. We're looking to get more people into community groups. We're aiming to get at least 75% of people part of a community group. We're looking to start another three community groups. We want to champion discipleship in the church because community is really important. We also have outreach and mercy ministries, craft cafe. The Ark, I mean, it's, it's not just community, it's about outreach as well. Soup service, it's not just community, it's outreach. Christians Against Poverty, we're launching a debt centre. Barry's going to be our debt centre manager. We're launching it at 7 o'clock on the 4th of October here in the NBC. And John Kirkby, the founder of Camp, is coming to launch it. I'd encourage you to be there. We uh, run farmers market teams, Alpha, Encounter, Big Story. We've run all of them in the last few years. We have teaching and resourcing ministries. It's about marriage and pre-marriage preparation. Parenting courses, including children and teenagers. We do all sorts of other training, including Freedom in Christ discipleship courses. We run worship and prayer ministries. It's a ministry. Our worship team serve us so well. Our PA guys, they serve us so well. Gather, prayer teams, songwriting. It's a key area for us. We've had prophetic words about wells of worship in the church. Wider ministries, our involvement with commission at West Point, church planting, planting out Junction Church in Eastleigh and not so long ago, Life Church in Southampton. India, the work with... uh, uh, We will do more and more, I think, in the years ahead with the churches in India. Iberia, Spain and Portugal. John's role... He's serving many, many churches around the south and southwest. We're involved with churches in Winchester working together on Basics Bank. We work together on street pastors. We work together on healing on the street, city centre chaplaincy. We have people involved in all sorts of uh, uh, things happening in the city. And we have a facilities ministry, which Brian has talked a, a little about already. Our facilities ministry is always looking to adjust and dovetail with what's happening in the church. Trying to get it right. Trying to get the balance right of what we do. What we do in each of these areas is to build ministries. Ministries are about people. 
And the people we had standing on the stage, standing on these foundations, all represent ministries uh, in the church. They are like the tip of an iceberg. And yet, we are building all of this within the context of Winchester with its iconic skyline. King Alfred, statue of King Alfred, Winchester Cathedral, St. Catherine's Hill, the Guildhall. And the backdrop of everything we do is Winchester. We are building a church in a city which is in itself changing. And who knows what it's going to look like in the years ahead. At the end of this journey, from our vision statement through our core foundational values, ministries which we're building within the context of Winchester, we are left with an image that encapsulates the journey. You're going to see this image over the coming weeks and months. It tells our story as we build Hope Church.